The gospel reading for this morning comes from John's gospel beginning in the 20th chapter at the 19th verse. And John wrote about these things. Later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews, had locked all the doors in the house. And Jesus entered, stood among them, and said, Peace to you. Then he showed them his hands and sighed. And the disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were exuberant. And Jesus repeated his greeting, Peace to you. Just as the Father sent me, I send you. And then he took a deep breath and breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. If you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? But Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we saw the master. But he said, Unless I see the nail holes in his hands, put my finger in the nail's holes, and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe it. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the room. And this time Thomas was with them, and Jesus came through the locked doors, stood among them, and said, Peace to you. Then he focused his attention on Thomas. Take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving. Believe. Thomas said, my master, my God. Jesus said, so you believe because you've seen with your own eyes. Even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. And Jesus provided far more God-revealing signs than are written down in this book. But these are written down so you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and in the act of believing, have real and eternal life in the way he personally revealed it. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O oh God of action, we have great intentions. I've been meaning to call my friend, but meaning to without dialing is empty. I've been meaning to visit my mother, but meaning to without being present is empty. I've been meaning to know you better, Lord, but meaning to without acting is empty. Lord, we really believe that we can be the people you've called us to be, but only to a point. We fall short. We don't show up. We forget. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Turn our meaning to's into dances of commitment and action. Open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. You need to know this morning that woofing is not the last word. Good and right intentions can sometimes be muddled by what Garrison Keillor describes as woofing. He writes, and I quote, 
To know and to serve God, of course, is while we're here. A clear truth that, like the nose on your face, is near at hand and easily discernible, but can make you dizzy if you try to focus on it hard. But a little faith will see you through. He goes on. When the country goes temporarily to the dogs, cats must learn to be circumspect, walk on fences, sleep in trees, and have faith that all this woofing is not the last word. What is the last word, then? Gentleness is everywhere in daily life, a sign that faith rules through ordinary things, through cooking and small talk, through storytelling, making love, fishing, tending animals and sweet corn and flowers, through sports, music and books, raising kids, all the places where the grave soaks in and grace shines through, end quote. Now we look at this story for this morning. Poor old Thomas. And you need to know that Thomas is going to take a good look licking in many sermons across the land today, being held up as a prime example of a hard-nosed, tough-to-convince doubter. But really, all he wanted was the same evidence of the resurrection which the other disciples had been freely given. And if that makes us irritated with him, Obviously, it didn't put Jesus off. So after greeting the assembled disciples, Jesus commissions them, sending them out just as God had sent him. And then Jesus breathes on them and gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit. They are now inspirited and given the power to forgive sins because if you don't forgive them, what the heck are you going to do with them? And while they're glad that they saw the Lord, one of their number was missing, Thomas. And I want you to think a minute with me about this. It means that the disciples' first attempt at witnessing to the resurrection was now going to be to one of their own. That should be an easy trial experiment, right? Well, the story demonstrates just how faltering were the disciples' first attempts at witnessing to the miracle of the resurrection. Because the, despite the new relationship that they have with the risen Christ, despite the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives, when they first excitedly proclaim the news of the risen Christ's appearance, Thomas utterly rejects their message. That's an interesting start for the church, don't you think? So when Thomas is told what he missed, he refuses to believe their story until he sees and can touch the wounds in the body of the crucified master. And when Jesus appears to the disciples for the second time, the first item of business for Jesus after his greeting was now to deal with Thomas. Note, please, that Thomas was still with the disciples eight days after he had refused to believe what they said about Jesus being alive again. He wanted to believe, even though at the moment he just couldn't shake his unbelief. And when Jesus repeats his demands for proof and gives him the chance to get what he demanded, Thomas never lays a finger on him. He just turns his heart over to him. My master, my God. It's complete surrender. 
how completely the hard-nosed came to believe, and how quickly. So I ask you this morning, is seeing all that it takes to believe? Can one really believe everything he or she sees? Is the eye the final judge of what is true and real? I think we all feel this morning that believing is more dependent, is dependent on more than sight. It hinges on trust. And that is built on the experience one has with the one who is believed in. And I think the story of Thomas in so many ways is really a modern story because it is at its heart a story of trust. And we all know that trust is necessary for a healthy society. However, it seems that the notion of trust is washing away all around us. The trust we have in our leaders, our institutions, our churches, our governments has slowly faded to the point that some wonder if it can ever truly be restored. And we know that trust is necessary in our own daily life. We trust the other driver to stop at a stop sign or a red traffic light. We trust that drivers will slow down when they come through our little small towns. We have signs that tell all of us to do that, but a person must still agree. All the police that we could hire will not make us slow down. Now we've also come to know that we can't trust everyone all of the time. Our trusts are violated when folks pursue what is best only for themselves. There are even those who cheat us on purpose. And it's increasingly difficult for us to place trust in a complete and utter stranger. It seems that we walk a high wire in taking chances by trusting someone rather than just trusting from the outset. Trust is now completely earned. It is not freely given. We're so like Thomas this morning. We stand with him. We're the faith community of John's time, a minority really in a hostile culture. We are the church that's attempting to reach out, reforming, and perhaps struggling with how we will be the church. We kind of share the same issues with Thomas. We don't want a secondhand faith. It's not good enough to simply hear about Jesus from others. We want our own experience of the risen Christ. Thomas just wanted what his close friends had already received the experience of a deeper vision, a life changing experience. He wanted a real deep appreciation and a genuine experience of the risen Christ. And we want that same kind of experience, one that will rock us and help to change our perceptions about what is real, what is genuine. And Thomas came to an understanding that the risen Christ is still here, a present reality. And when we truly hold on to this truth, God will be even more present in our everyday living. 
We come to see for ourselves that God is connected to all that is now, as well as to all that has ever been and all that ever will be. So this morning, I just want to encourage you to breathe. Just breathe. When we can become truly present in the moment, to each and every breath that we take, in many ways, we take hold of the unseen hand, the one whose presence is blown into us by the spirit that is forever swirling around us. And to those of us who refuse to let go of that unseen hand, Jesus says, blessed are they. You see, woofing is not the last word. To God be the glory. Amen.